You're listening to the Avoid the Trap Podcast, a show dedicated to helping bettors exploit the betting markets using unconventional strategies and tactics. Turn up the volume and listen closely. The show starts now. Hey guys, this is Micah. In today's episode, we're interviewing Joe Durham. He's an attorney who helps bettors get paid by bookies who attempt to stiff or not pay bettors. He's helped our group plus other well-known professional groups. Pay very close attention in today's episode because Joe's someone you want in your corner. Sure. Well, from Georgia and I've been practicing law for over 20 years now. And like a lot of people, I started uh, first betting on football games when I would be in Athens uh, as a child watching. And back in the USA Today, used to have a little page that showed who the games were and what the, the line, I think it was Danny Sheridan, if I remember. And a buddy of mine started, uh, we would bet a dollar to a dollar fifty. And I mean, really just one dollar and a dollar fifty when we were kids and, and came through. And then it's funny, I can remember walking into a gas station one day and there was a football handicappers guide and I think it was put out by the guy Gordon Michaels who was blazer or something like that and did and it's ranked like the top handicapping services in the world and I thought I've always been an entrepreneur oh this is easy I'm gonna find some bookies and make a pile of money and ended up uh not being true losing is what that was and then um as time goes on Micah I got to know you through some mutual friends and uh, we've seen the world evolve a little bit, and it's something that I uh, enjoy a lot, and also the legalities of it as more and more states are becoming uh, legalizing it. It's just something, it's rare when you can put together something that you truly enjoy and have a passion for, which is the sports betting with, you know, some legal aspects and and seeing all the changes. So it's just something I love. Yeah, I think if anybody that's been on social media that follows professional sports bettors, they've seen uh, a Spanky, he's a professional better, and they've seen uh, uh, you and him go back and forth. They all have had partnerships together. And we, so if you could walk us through, you know, your experience working with betting groups and like issues on collecting, we, we want to get into what the legalities are and all that, but just kind of if you could walk us through your experience with dealing with that and, and how well, that works in your in, on your process and your side of things. Well, that, you know, that's the stuff that good books could be written about. And it's it's yeah. been a wild ride and you know a lot of the stories, but God, I'm going to guess it was probably five or six years ago was the first time I ever saw anything about betting partnerships. And uh, at the same time, I started working with um, Spanky and dealing with them and with Joey Tunes, you know, someone else that a lot of people know. And over the years, developed a good relationship with both of them. And it has branched out now to having partnerships with some of these other gentlemen that are here with us today and stuff. So, but it was something that I had never heard of, never understood, didn't know anything. And it seemed almost too good to be true on the first side of it. But as I learned, the problem is the people that are really professionals that really know what they're doing, it's winning is the easy part. And that's what I always tell people. It's easy to win over a period of time. The problem then becomes collecting. And, you know, Spanky has done some podcasts on his podcast, talked about a couple of the times we've had where giant sums of money we won from bookmakers that didn't want to pay just all of a sudden for different reasons. And we've had to take the steps uh, that we needed to have to pay. Uh, and knock on wood, we're batting almost 100%. And I say we, not just with Spanky, but with everyone that I work with, collecting the money that we've been owed. So that's uh, that's something I'm proud of. And it's something that all the people I work with 
that partner with me, they know that I'm going to go to bat for them and use everything I can within the law to make sure that the bookmakers pay. Because to me, it's really simple. Look, you set the rules, bookmaker. You tell us the amount we can bet per game, the type games we can bet. You set all the rules. And then it's a head-to-head matchup, us versus you. If we lose, I know that these groups are going to pay and it's not going to be a problem. So at the same time, when we win, pay us. It's only, you know, it's fair is fair. And it's all about being a, a person of your word. And I, I would say a man of your word, but more and more, I'm seeing more women get involved in this stuff amazingly. So um, that's the way I look at it. You set the rules, we'll play by the rules and may the best man win. And I know that we're going to be the ones that always win at the end of the day. We've had a lot of questions about betting with a credit bookmaker in a legal state or illegal state. So can you answer those questions? Walk us through that. But the first question I actually can answer is like that. I always ask myself, is it legal to actually bet with an illegal bookie? Who's breaking the law, me or him? All right. So that's a good question. And first, let me be very clear about this. Every state has its little nuances in the law. So I can't answer every state. But I'm going to tell you what the big picture is, okay? So the big picture is we've all gone and the industry has changed from you calling a guy on a phone and you giving him this is number one, two, three, and he's writing a ticket to a paperhead website. And we all know that those paperhead websites are situated somewhere. Costa Rica is obviously the place where lots of them are. So the general consensus, and there have been several academics that have written about this uh, out there is that when the person places the bet, you're on a computer, you're placing that bet because it's actually taken on that server in Costa Rica. And so that is not viewed um, as a violation of the law from an academic perspective. Now, am I going to say there aren't law enforcement people out there that might view that different? I'm sure there are. But what I can tell you is that historically, when you look at the large arrest when these huge stings are done for uh, illegal bookies, you notice that the the partners, the agents, and the sub-agents are the ones that get arrested. You don't ever see anything about the players. And I will tell you, for example, this big group that just got busted a few weeks ago in Birmingham, I don't want to give away anything that's privileged because I do have some legal relationships with some people that are tangentially involved in some of that is. That all started because that group, which was making huge dollars, millions and millions of dollars, refused to pay someone and they refused to pay someone when they realized they were sharp and they just said, well, I'm not going to pay you. And that led to the cascade of events that now they're shut down. And there were interviews in a lot of these cases where agents will come ask a player about it and they'll be clear, look, we're not interested in you. We'll, they'll represent that you're not, you know, under any investigate. We're just trying to get details. And I always tell people, if you're a player, just a player. It's usually, and I will say usually, okay to talk to those agents as long as you, you know, you need to take the steps, consult a lawyer that knows everything, but answer because you're, there's a big view that you're not the one breaking the law, but the bookie who is in the United States, who is handling the transactions is breaking the law because he is actually situated inside the boundaries of the United States and within whatever state he is in. So it's a really fine distinction, but for players, the view's always been you haven't, you know, you're not the one with the real criminal exposure. Got it. Thank you. Now I can sleep a little better at night. <laughs> and that is a question that everyone asks me all the time. And they're like, what can I do? And 
the other question I get is when people are like, look, you know, someone stiffed me, you know, for some amount, what are my options? And of course you can't answer that. Every case is different. You look at the facts, but the first thing I say is, well, the bookie's the one breaking the law. If you take that as the first approach that generally the bookie's breaking the law, you can use that in different ways. I hate to use the word leverage, but to leverage your position because and the response is always from the bookie. What are you going to do? Tell the police that I'm breaking the law and that you're breaking the law too? And the response is, wait a minute, Mr. Refusal to Pay. We're not the one breaking the law. You are because you're the one with the paperhead. You're the one running all the transactions and everything. So you're the one with the exposure. And usually when they get a real feel for that, they'll uh, want to pay or at least leach some type of settlement to make things work out. I, I have another question. So when I'm making a wager, a paperhead account, if I'm making that wager from a legal state where sports betting is legal or from an illegal state where sports betting is illegal, does that change any of it or not really? Well, so it depends on the individual state's law, but let me go back to what I would say. Generally, the academic perspective, and there have been what we call law review articles kind of written on this, and a lot of the, the people that are evaluating this is in the state where you were placed, where you are when you place the bet, it's, um, I hate to say it's not illegal because it's never that clear, but that's not where the real exposure is. It is the exposures from being the bookie, and I say bookie, that could be the agent, who may be sub-agent, that they're the ones running the true criminal enterprise. Got it. Thank and, you. And I think one of the things I always tell people, and I, all the, the big <clears throat> groups that I've dealt with and worked with, is, you know, look, if you're doing this as a real business, pay your taxes on it. You know, this is real income. This is not the 50s or the, you know, way back where everybody thinks you're like Ace, Ace Rothstein and Casino and that group, illegal mobsters. All of you that are professionals are brilliant people. Lots come from the computer world, the financial markets, and you've just found a way to beat the market and it's more liquid in some ways. So pay your taxes like you would anything else. And that'll avoid you running into some trouble that you could otherwise avoid. Could you go as far as the spanky issue? Like touch on it very yeah. briefly earlier. Deep dive, give us kind of the background, sure. like the, the, the cause and effect, <laughs> sure. who did why and the so, result. You know, one of the first things that people always, when they talk to me, whether they know me or they know just because I'm fortunate Spanky's talked about me and we he and I go back and forth on Twitter and we've been partners a long time is about that one occasion where a, a large, large bookmaker owed us a bunch of money. And to understand what happened, this story is so fantastic. That gentleman, and I'm not going to say his name, Spanky did tweet his name out uh, and then took it down and Gambling 911 ran a story on it. He actually was featured in a documentary that Yahoo did about the under, underground sort of illegal world of gambling. And he has and had sub-agents all across the United States. Well, turns out this guy actually had been a partner with Spanky back in the past, and we didn't realize that till we got down into it. But he opened an account, gave us a, uh, a nice line of credit, went through like normal and ran it up real quick, had one of those magical spells where it got above a, above a quarter million dollars. Immediately, we were, he then said, I'm not going to pay because I can look at this and it's sharp action. And there were no IP issues. And anybody that's involved in partnerships knows how IP issues can become a problem, whatever. Everything was being done. It wasn't even being botted. It was being done hand because the individual amounts were, were enough that it was worth it. But he said, I can just tell because you're beating the market by this much, this much, this much. So I'm not going to pay. Turns out this gentleman who was the big guy had a sub-agent 
that had initially introduced us, who was here in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, running it. And I was able to essentially use some of the laws that are on the books in the state of Georgia. What I was had told them I was going to do, and I took this as a very serious approach, like I would any other case. I said, you know, they're the civil RICO laws in Georgia. We all hear about RICO and think mobsters. We think criminal stuff, and that's true. But there's also a way to use this. a lot of the RICO laws for civil recovery of damages. And so without getting into all the specifics, if you got more than one person, you then got an organization, you got two people working together. So I had an agent and a sub agent actually had others, but just to make it easy. And the way I look at you here, you are running this illegal enterprise, you're taking money from people. So it allowed us to essentially come and say, well, we're going to bring an action on behalf of all the people that you've taken all this illegal money from and going to do what we need to do to, to get this, to bring it forward. And in this day and time, you know, you all you got to do, you file a lawsuit, you're able to use subpoenas, you're able to get PayPal records, you're able to get Venmo records, you're able to get Apple Pay records, Zelle records, cash out, all those. And we do that in all sorts of litigation anyway. So you start telling people and make them understand that this is what we're about to do. And then it didn't take long for conversations to be had. In that case, ended up letting them know that, yeah, it was sharp and that Spanky was involved. And Spanky had relationships on the back end with some of the people in Costa Rica as well. And we were able to get that resolved and recovered every every dime we were supposed to get. The fact that we were able to, the sub-agent, not the registered agent, I'm the sub-agent for this guy, he had one in Georgia, which put them all on the hook where I was legally going to be able to go against them. So that was a, that was a really interesting story. First time I've ever been on the phone with the, I, the company that ran the paperhead down in Costa Rica wanting details. And in that case, what was so bad is he would go in after we had won and was deleting the bets, a bunch of the winners and would say, well, you're not up 250,000, you're up 75,000. And I always, and I tell everyone, the smartest thing to do is when you put them in, just take your phone, take a quick snapshot, and then they can't deny it. They can't whatever, because there's always a way to get the details. And we ended up, again, being able to get the paperhead company to run the report because he denied it, and it showed it. And then the facts came out, and they knew that uh, we were about to rain holy hell down on all of them if they didn't square like they were supposed to. That's a great story. Yeah. One of the things I, again, this is me as a player and, and or partner, I think is the better word here, is I always say, look, if a guy comes if we are able to beat a guy and he says, here's every nickel that you're owed, but I don't want your action anymore. You got to respect that. You know, everybody has a right to choose who they do any business with. So I don't have a problem with that. Pay what you're supposed to say. And then, you know, say no moss, kind of like Roberto Duran, you beat me into submission. That's great. But don't say, pay me when you lose. And then when you get beat, say, oh, I'm not paying you because it's sharp. That ain't the way it works. I think some of y'all know there's some more people in Birmingham that are, uh, I'm afraid, going to have to learn that lesson the hard way right now. So what is your professional opinion with betting groups and partnering with the professional groups that bet these accounts for you? What's your opinion there? Well, I think it's, I think it, the potential is great. I think there are ways to do it legally and to do it in accordance with the law. While we are hoping, obviously, that Georgia will legalize it soon, I think the first thing that you do is just have a clear understanding of what the rules are, what the percentages are. You know, we are uh, here in Georgia, I know I'm prepared that when the time comes with the different people that I partner with to have real life entities, this is ABC LLC or whatever you want to call it, that has all the agreements written down, whose responsibility is what, so there can never be in a dispute because this is real business and this is real money. And when you're doing groups, especially 
in the legalized world where there's no issue about collecting, as long as there are written agreements that everyone understands and knows what their responsibilities are, there's nothing wrong with that. And that just prevents problems down the road because nothing will mess things up more than more than money. And too many times someone comes into a new betting group and it's like, how much skin or how much equity do you want in this group? And they're like, well, I'm going to start off. I just want a 10% free roll or something like that. And then they see it's growing great. And they're thinking, damn, I wish I had 40%. And then they change the 40%. And the first week they get 40%, it's a bad week, you know? And then they're like, well, I'm not doing that. That's why if you're, especially in the States where you're doing it legally through the through legalized channels and through the right things, just have it all written down because there's nothing illegal about it at all to have these partnerships that says what everybody's ownership is, their contribution, their equitable interest and how it's going to be done. And then just people do what's right. Kind of like when the people don't pay. I got a question I'd like to throw in if y'all don't mind. Guys, one thing I'd be curious about is asking y'all with the legalization growing, I think we're at roughly half the states in the United States now are legalized. What's going to happen to the credit bookmakers? Are we going to see them disappear or what's going to occur? I don't think so. I'm a firm believer that credit is king. In the regulator market, you have to post up and most people don't have the money, unfortunately, to even post up. And it's a hassle to post up and it takes a while to withdraw. I think credit will always be around. It might go a little less than it is now, but I think it's hard to kill credit. I mean, unless like FanDuel and them can offer credit, which you never know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know how the world works. But yeah, if, if they offer credit, I don't know. Could they ever do that someday? I was like thinking about Like a casino credit. Like a yeah. casino credit. Same deal. That, like a- yeah. And, and, and it's all regulated. So it, I, I feel that's around the corner at some point, yeah. but I don't know. No, if they don't, then he's right. No, I think what y'all just said is key because look, at the end of the day, all of these entities, FanDuel, DraftKings, whoever, <laughs> they want to make money. That's the bottom line. And if they can start advancing you money and charging you interest on that money, they're going to do that. So that's coming. Now, it probably won't be quite as easy as the the paperhead world where somebody sets it up and all of a sudden you got 5K or 10K or whatever to do whatever you want with. But that certainly makes it easier. Going back to something I said earlier, y'all were asking about the, the the betting groups in the in the legal world. That's one of the hardest things is because you have to you have to post that money up. And when you put in in the agreements that I've drafted for people, that's the hard part. Is normally your professionals that are providing the real service of the selections, they're not going to be the ones to participate in the funding. It's the sweat equity, if you will, is the way it's a lot of times used. Everyday Joes like myself are the ones that are posting up. And I look at it, again, I've got this historical view because I've seen how much money can be made and how the returns on this with a good group are absolutely going to exceed what's available in the market. It's a, just a way to to fund anything else. You put that money up, you get a return on it and and keep keep reinvesting. Be devil's advocate. What stops that person that posted up, let's say the group run his account up for 30000 uh, changing my phone number, I'm cashing this money out and gone. Well, <laughs> we've seen that happen too. You know, I, that has happened more than once. And so the first thing you do is on the front side, you have an agreement. So in the real world, you have this joint venture and you form a, a it doesn't have to be an LLC, but it could be a, be a partnership or just a bunch of people together. But you have a written agreement that's signed by everyone that says, this is what we're going to do. 
And it also says that if we'll call him John Doe collects the money and absconds, what the civil remedies are from the other members against him. You got to treat this like a real business because it is a real business. This is not a back room. You're in a bar, smoke filled pool hall, scribbling mm -hmm. stuff down. This is real life, real business. And you need, people need to treat it as such. And once they start doing that, there'll be a lot less problems. My Twitter DMs and everything else will start ringing a little less, but I'll be glad because I want to see this world grow and I want to see it get better. I mean, because I'd like there are other parts of the regulation that I want to get behind and start fighting, dealing with, aside from people just not honoring their word. I have a question. Sure. Do you ever, do you ever front load with, with any of these guys and, and let them know, hey, if I don't, this is uncomfortable to say, but if you don't pay me, I, if, and I, if I win and you don't pay me, I have options, you know, I'm a lawyer. So nowadays I've been so successful and, and there's been some pretty high profile guys that were running books that we demolished that I, I reached agreements that we wouldn't bet into them anymore. So I try to keep my name out. So I go and recruit other people to help do that. But I do the moment someone gets squirrely on paying, I will send them some articles that have been written in Gambling 911 or on Twitter. And I'm like, I just want you to know. So I'm involved with this and I'm not trying to threaten you, but within the law, we will do everything we can to collect every nickel. And if we don't collect every nickel, we're going to do everything we can to ensure that the proper authorities know you're running this illegal business. That's when we usually get the response. Well, what are you doing? Y'all are breaking the law too. And that's where the response is usually, again, the <laughs> failing authorities know the better's not breaking the law. It's you. And once again, it, who do you think the federal government, and particularly the IRS, is going to be involved or care about looking at? Some guy that's lost a little bit of money in transactions or all of those PayPal and Venmo transactions and Apple Pay and, and Cash App and stuff that you're doing going to be major red flags. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm learning a lot. I didn't know there was recourse. I didn't know there was anything you could do, but it sounds like the ultimate fear of, of you taking them down, just that alone could could get you your payment or part of it. So I, I get that logic. I think that's it. And the, ultimately, um, Georgia has some really unique laws on gambling. Um, and when you take them in time to the RICO laws, it's some really good options. And I bet if people dug into the laws in their own states, there'd be a lot of similar things. So, and I have done things in other states that I get admitted what we call pro hack Vichy for to, to work on issues for people. But Dave, you're right. The biggest thing is you say, look, we can either work this out like men and do what's right, or we're going to go as far as we can within the law to make things difficult and to recover. I do say the days of, you know, the old busted kneecaps and things like that, you can't, you can't do that. Anymore. Yeah, no, you, know, you, no. you can't even get in a good fist fight these days without someone going to jail for battery and maybe spending some time locked up. So you, you can't yeah. blame people, but do it right. Do it front and just, again, tell people to be a man or woman of their word. Because again, it, what frustrates me is they set the rules. We're already laying 110, sometimes more than 110. You've set the rules, you've done everything, and we won fair and square, so do what's right. Real quick, do you feel like when bookies sees a better that has that is basically bringing some type of legal ramifications to the table, are they quick to pay because they don't want their they don't want their information in the limelight, right? Because if let's just say you were to file paperwork, then all of a sudden they're not hiding in the shadows any longer. That's absolutely correct. Because, and I always say this, and again, in the past year, I've had a couple of cases like this 
in the modern world, you can't hide. There is ways to do what we call discovery. Everything can be found. Everything that goes across a cell phone can be found. We have forensic experts that we use that dig into computers, laptops, tablets, phones, and it all comes out. So the fact that you think you can just deny it is difficult. And what ends up happening with people is they usually don't think that's going to happen. And again, when you start firing off the requests or subpoenas to your, your third party processors like PayPal and Venmo and Cash App, and it starts coming out that, well, for whatever reason, every Tuesday, there's 80 transactions. And every Wednesday, where you're taking in money on Tuesdays, then on every Wednesday, you're paying out to 60 different people. How are you going to explain that? And then you start tracking those people down because their information comes too. So we have investigators and we get on and we locate these people. Hey, this is Joe Durham. I'm investigating whether so-and-so is running a legal bookmaking business. We're not here to rat you out. We're not, but let me tell you what's going on. And, I'm, and I always tell them, I'm going to be very honest with you. And I lay it out for them and I tell them I've got it. And that's when people usually are like, hey, yeah, I'll do whatever I can. Just I don't want to get in any trouble. And by that point in time, you're usually starting to have conversations about working everything out. Right? Yeah, I don't really look at it, too, as you're ratting them out, because it's like you said, we can't just go, let's go fight for the money or, or send somebody to break your knee. So nowadays, I mean, yeah, you, this is your only option and your only leverage. So I, I, I learned, I've learned a lot. I didn't. Yeah. Good stuff, Joe. I mean, but think about it, it's no different. I know you like sports like we all do. I mean, again, every sport has rules. Every contest has rules. And as long as people play by the rules, do what you're supposed to do. That's it. Now, you yeah. know, there's a very well-known, uh, a guy that runs a huge paperhead operation that I know really well. He's one of the ones that I read uh, what I call like a, a truce with, you know, we reached a treaty with each other. And when you log into his page, now he put this big disclaimer that said, you know, if we determine you're not the one betting it, and he sets all these rules. And I tell people, look, if you violate those rules, you're at your own risk. But it's the ones that don't have those rules. If you play within, right is right and fair is fair. I was just going to say, so basically he got burned a few times and then just put that disclaimer yeah, on the he yeah, he got burned and he's a super honorable guy, a super honorable guy. I, I know that all of you sitting here have uh, bid into some of his paperhead accounts. And but that's what he said. He said, I'm going to pay you. But then the next time he put those rules up and said, now I'm not going to pay people. Uh, I've actually, like I said, I've reached an agreement with him, have helped him with some things. He's helped me with some things in terms of just exchanging information and whatnot. Because, again, I have no problem with someone that says, look, you beat me within the rules. I'm going to pay you every dime I vote, but we don't want any more business. And that's fair. I mean, why, if they say that, and then you go back to them through another back door, that's not really fair. And I don't, I don't do that. And I encourage the people that I either represent or have helped get involved in other partnerships, not to do that either. Cause that's, that goes against what I stand for, which is be a man of your word. This is kind of like a good segue for the legal sports books, I think. Because when you make an account with legal sports books, you're giving a name and you're agreeing to play by their terms. But as we all know, Dave knows at least, he's making tons of legal apps accounts. Does he have any legal ramifications if these apps don't want to pay him? Let me acknowledge that Dave has uh, handled a couple of those accounts for me that we had great success with. And that's awesome. But so again, it all gets into the details of the, the true terms and conditions. And we, at times we've all read those, right? But there's a real gray area here. We'll just use me as an, a, 
example for this hypothetical. Dave's given me the information. He's not violating anything. Or if I decide, hey, Dave, put this in for me. I'm sitting here. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. We can all see those hypotheticals. That's not. And that's where the next issue with a lot of the litigation and whatnot is probably going to come on some of that. There are things we know in the legal world. I say this all the time. There are things we know, and then there are things we can prove. And there's a big difference between those. And so it becomes really difficult. And I've been, you know, hired to help be on the other side of this too. I've done things on both sides of this to determine whether someone did Joe give Dave his account and Dave's the one doing it. How do you prove that? You know, that becomes really difficult as well. So it's a lot of deterrent in a lot of ways, but uh, at the end of the day, the best thing they can do is keep an eye on it, check and, and then limit. But the idea of not paying puts someone in a really difficult spot because when you owe someone and you don't pay, that's when real penalties can kick in and you can really get in trouble. Here's another question. And I keep asking questions because I'm always thinking about myself. So, but if I tell one of my friends who lives in a regulator market to make some bets for me, you know, he's the one that actually makes them because, you know, the apps don't work in Florida. Right. And, and then me and him have this agreement that he's going to give me some percentage of the winnings. Am I breaking any laws? All right. So I got to first give my typical lawyer disclaimer without knowing the exact state and all the laws that, you know, that's it. But no, I say, look, man, Hey, if I would do this and then let's just give a specific hypothetical. I think that makes it easier for the listeners to hear. So, and let's say you and I are talking and it's the, the Georgia TCU game. uh, And you're like, Hey man, I'm a professional at this. I know you like Georgia, but I really think you ought to do X, Y, Z or TCU. That would be a bad example. So we probably ought to use the Ohio State game instead. So you uh you say, Joe, I know you really like Georgia and you're a big Georgia guy, but look, you Ohio State's the sharp side here. I'm telling you, you need to you need to put a dime on uh, Ohio State, man, and uh, thank me in the morning, so to speak. So if I do that and then I decide to give you you know, half my winnings because I appreciate it. It's money I would have otherwise not won. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's like a tip, a gift. There's again, where does it change from a tip, a gift to a true payment? That's a, those are all things that are difficult to prove. So, and when you get into what's quote legal, well, again, at that point, you're not using my account. You're just, you know, two buddies talking on a telephone. Got it. Thank you. I have a question. So, so basically, that's always kind of been my theory that they have to prove, I guess, with overwhelming evidence that like you over there did not make the bet here in Colorado or otherwise they have to pay. And I think I only think I think we've been burned like one time and they had the overwhelming evidence. I think uh, I remember that event. I think I may have uh, heard a little about that. I mean, I wasn't involved, but I just, you know, keeping my ear to the ground, so to speak, in this industry, you know, at times I hear things. So, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, it's fine. Because, and the reason I was so sloppy is Nevada is really on the player's side. Um, like you could, if you call the gaming control board, there's there's even a lawyer like you. If you call the gaming control board and you say, I'm going to call Robert Narcissian to deal with this. They actually get nervous, and and the the gaming control board just takes your side. I've been caught red-handed doing X, Y, and Z, and I and I always still win. But I kind of feel like here, they just don't care. They're 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 not very experienced at dealing with all these situations. So, 
I, but I still feel that they have, because a lot of it is gray area. I feel like a lot, I feel like they just have to prove overwhelming. And I, and I don't know their process, but yeah, I've always thought they just have to pay you no matter what. And, and it's pretty much been like that since we've been here or since we got here where we always got paid. So, all right. So if you look deep down on sometimes these terms and conditions, and they're all different. So there is no specific answer that's right for everything. And heaven forbid, I don't want anyone to say they heard this podcast and I said that this state's X, Y, Z, because I can't do that. But just generally speaking, everything's governed by those terms and conditions that'll oftentimes have arbitration provisions or whatever. But generally in the civil world, it becomes into a preponderance of the evidence. And I always describe the preponderance of the evidence as this way. Imagine you're playing a football game and the game starts and the ball's on the 50 yard line. At the end of the game, who has moved the ball the slightest way the other, you know, who's deeper in the other's territory wins. With that being said though, Dave, you're right. It's just really hard to prove a lot of, a le- you know, who you were, where you were at a given time and who was doing what. And I think Vegas has taken the approach they have because they know that while they maybe shouldn't have paid this one guy $5,000, the bad that would come from not paying that guy would cost them in terms of the growth and the publicity and everything else far more than that, because it's the players that keep it going without the players you're in trouble. And so the problems with these new and emerging markets is just that they're going to be growing pains. They're going to be things that even though they're run by the same corporations, each state's a little different. They're going to change, make things difficult. They're going to be rough patches for everyone, but usually cooler heads will prevail and there's a, a way to, to reach a, a resolution that everyone can live with. You know about my car situation here, right? I don't know if I know about your car situation. So really quick, I don't want to bore people with the same story. Give me 30 seconds. Sure. So Barstool, Barstool, if you bet $4 million in volume in, in April to April, they they would give you a one-year lease Mercedes SUV. And a couple of the other guys got it. But for me, they just didn't want to give me mine. I was up quite a, a lot of money. So this is probably the reason. But they just said, we're not, we, it's, we can give it to you if we want. And then gaming took their sides, their sides. So I didn't break any of the terms, but the gaming guy just goes, oh, they don't have to honor that. And I was, I was shocked. In Nevada, I get it in one second, but. That's where I knew, okay, <laughs> these places can do what they want. Well, that's why it's deep, you know, I'd love to look at those terms. So send them to me and, you know, we can see probably in there, there's something that said that if they could do that, but it's in their discretion and solely in their discretion or something along those lines, because they run those things, hoping to find some well, some executive somewhere that can just keep pumping money in and they've lost, 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 giving that lease, which is, you know, kind of like a comp on some level. They don't want to do it to someone like you, who's a well-known success story that if they let you, you'll put their damn lights out. Yeah, that's, that's, that sums it up too. Yep. <laughs> that, that's, and that's what I use with guys all the time. I'm like, you know, look, if partnership is formed and look, everybody's going to have some that you don't collect. That's, it doesn't matter in what area of business you're in either. It's like an accounts receivable. Nobody ever collects a hundred percent. So you want to maximize what you can. But I tell people when they're forming these betting partnerships, no matter what the circumstances, dealing with credit bookies, make sure they can afford to pay you because the last thing you want to do is put their lights out and then you have nothing to show for. Because there are obviously times where, you know, college kids pop up on campus and they're wanting to even hit them for $750 or something they wouldn't be able to pay. And that just puts 
that's no good for anyone. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that makes sense. All right, Joe, real quick. In your professional opinion, why is it acceptable for legal books and apps to ban a winning better? I don't think it's acceptable. It goes back. First off, let's go back to what we were talking about with um, an illegal bookie. Look, you can, you can choose who you want to do business with in that world. That's fine. At the same time, in the legal world, you can choose who you want to do business with. But it, in my opinion, is absolutely wrong. And earlier I referenced one of the regulatory issues I wanted to get involved in uh, when the time is right is that issue because it is wrong to ban someone just for winning. That is absolutely wrong on so many levels. And Twitter has become the place for sharing information and sharing ideas. There've been a lot of people that talk really, uh, talk about this a lot and how it's wrong and will compare how they run these specials to try to bring people that aren't professionals in and they want them to gamble and, and lose, let's face it. But it's wrong to do that. And then on the other hand, say, well, you know, you're a good player. You're going to win. We're not going to let you do it. Mm -hmm. And I think what they should do, there should be, there should be limits that are applicable to everyone that comes in and out. Now, if they want to make something to go higher than that or whatever an individual case, that's fine, but they should not be able to come in and say, Dave, because uh, you're good, your limit on Georgia, Ohio State is $5, my friend, good luck. And that's just not right. It's just not fair. And it goes against the exact, the, the very thing they're doing. So I, I think when time, as it grows, that will be the next step in some of the legislation and regulation. If they're going to ban someone, they ought to have to tell them why they're being banned. Because let's, let's face it, there are people that are banned for doing inappropriate things. And that's okay. You know, if you ban someone, tell them why you're banning them. There should be an appeals process to have that ban moved. And that appeals process should include the appropriate gaming board or organization in a way that's fair to everyone, but allows people to know why they're being banned or why they're being limited in some way. Otherwise, it just, it continues to keep things behind the curtain where nobody knows and it just leads itself to, uh, to bad situations as well. The reason is because they don't even know. I think the sports book himself doesn't even know. So like whoever's using Canby, which is a European company, Canby just basically puts restrictions on people's accounts. And whatever the American company itself that's actually offering those lines, they don't even know why these accounts are getting limited. You know, same thing with SB yeah. Tech. When they're limiting players for DraftKings, they're not even telling DraftKings why these people are being limited. No. And it's just, and the, the, the main issue with the limiting stuff is I heard, I, don't, I, heard the, I don't know if this is true, but I heard in Massachusetts they were thinking to only allow DraftKings to operate. I don't know if that's true or not, but if they do, if a state decides to do that, for instance, in California, they, they passed the thing that they, if they're going to allow gambling in California, only certain companies, not all companies can get in. Only certain companies can. But then if every single one of those companies bans you, it kind of becomes like a monopoly, right? That, so like, what do you have? Like, I don't know. It just seems weird. That gets into some really sort of deep legal stuff, but it, it, that's kind of a passion of mine and in, in my, in, in something I really want to work on because the states, what they're doing is they're legalizing it. Then they're giving the license, if you will, and it is a license anywhere from one to however many companies to, to operate in the state. Well, then if all the companies get together, to limit, unless I'm going to just use Dave because he's here and I've used him for a lot of these hypotheticals today, they've all limited Dave. Well, the question becomes, 
Why did they limit Dave? What if Dave has never placed a bet in that state? Not a single one. That's not right. That's just not, I mean, it's not right on any level whatsoever. And it turns into where it's a collusion is what it is. It's an inappropriate collusion that I think uh, violates lots of different, I can't say it violates a lot of different laws. It may, and again, depending on each different state, but uh, that's something that we're going to have to look at and deal with as regulation uh, and more legalized books open up. Because if they want to limit someone or not take someone's action, that person has a right to know why and to have details and then have has should have a right to go before a neutral body of some sort, an arbiter panel to have state his case and see what happens. And that would ensure by having that process, that appeals process like that, it would ensure that it can't be for just being a winner or a good better. That's why there needs to be a process like that. And I think that you'll see some of that is more, again, they're growing pains. And this is, we're in the infant stages of there's more and more states getting legalized. So I think you'll see that eventually. I really do. I just don't know how many years or decades it could be. The reason why I'm not as optimistic as you, because sports betting has been legal for many, many years in Europe, and they still have this, you know, this business model of banning or limiting winners. I hope you're right. It's so short-sighted for, for the states because they're giving these licenses without realizing that they're giving the ability for the operator to ban people, that means it's less volume, it's less money that most likely they will make. And also it's less money than me, the better I can make betting and then I have to pay taxes. It's kind of like, I don't know, I just don't understand it very much to be honest. Well, I think what you just said though is, is absolutely right. What it does, it's a very short-sighted view because what it does, it limits revenue. To the state and everywhere else. It limits it everywhere else. I mean, so again, I use the phrase, Dave could put their lights out. He absolutely could. So there's nothing wrong with them putting a reasonable limit on someone like Dave, but it being clear what that limit is. And it applies to all games that you're, you know, making available to be played on. They shouldn't be able to say, well, Dave, you can play $5 on Georgia. You can play 75 on the Vikings on Sunday, and then you can play 125 on the Titans on Monday night. There should be an amount that Dave knows he's going to be able to play on every game that they put up on the board. That And that amount should apply to everyone. That's the way I feel. That's what's fair. And hell, that's just what's consistent with America at, at the end of the day. So, yeah. and I don't mean to wave my white flag or, or get on my soapbox, but that's the truth. That's the way it should be. And that's why it's a, a passion of mine to see everyone treated fairly. That's what is uh, required by casinos. You go and the blackjack tables all have the minimum bet and the maximum bet. Same thing with slot machines, whatever it is. Yep. So obviously it should also be like that for sports betting. And I think, again, what has happened, uh, let's just take five years, guys. Let's look at how much the sport has changed or the, the industry has changed in the last five years. People like y'all and Spanky and um, Joey Tunes and Joey Kanish, you know, all these guys that are on Twitter that are making this world more well-known and, and this industry more well-known, as more people see the way good players are mistreated, that's what will change. Because what you said, Ann, is right. There's a sign that says the minimum and the maximum on these table games. It applies to everyone. Why should a football game, a basketball game, or whatever be any different? And the answer is it shouldn't be different. There are always going to be advantage players. There are always going to be players 
that are better than the other. But hell, in these sporting contests, you're already laying 110, sometimes more than 110. So I don't want to hear about it. it's not fair, you can't win or, or whatever. It's almost like uh, being a winner is a form of discrimination. <laughs> that, so that's, that's really true. It is discrimination to get into the law. And I hate to get into the super deep weeds here, but in discrimination, what you have to have is you have to be a member of what is called a protected class. The things we know, sex, gender, race, creed, religion, sexuality now, things of that, you know, being a, but I do think that down the road, it's not ready yet, but down the road, the fact that they're limiting your ability to earn and do your job in a real way is something that a way to, to get a foothold for the right case and the right claim one day. But I do think that's years. And I think we're headed in that direction. And every day we inch closer, which is a, a positive step. Okay, guys, this is Micah again. Unfortunately, we have some technical issues at the end of the recording. We'll bring Joe in on a future episode. If you're having issues with a bookie or would like to utilize Joe's services, go to his website, bettersprotectionagency.com. Again, that's bettersprotectionagency.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Avoid the Trap podcast. If you'd like more betting tips or want to learn how you can partner with us, go to our website, www.avoidthetrap.com. Until next time, remember, to the victor belong the spoils.